Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. We're going to pick up exactly where we left off last time. We were talking about the recreated spirit inside of you and how um, oftentimes a misunderstanding about what the role of that new birth is, what the new spirit inside of you is, and the role that it plays in the believer. And a mistake, mistake, a common mistake is the idea that that spirit will eventually grow and overcome the old man, the old tendencies, the old whatever, the old lifestyle patterns, whatever you may have been involved in before you were saved, all of these types of things. And that is a mistake. <clears throat> that is not what happens. Okay. And the, Gala- the Galatians had fallen into that trap. It's a very, very common trap. And I know they fell into that trap because when the Judaizers came in behind Paul and said, yeah, you're a Christian, but now you got to keep the law. You have to keep these standards and keep the, keep the law. We know that they would have, they would have had some sense of need within them. They would have felt a need within them, or they wouldn't even listen to the Judaizers. You don't, you don't, you know, run out of your house with a fireman until you know the house is on fire. And so the mistake that is made is that the role of that new spirit and the mistake that spirit does grow, it becomes mature. That, that, that newborn spirit inside of you grows up and grows into maturity. Adam would have went through four stages of maturity, right? But he fell before they, they, uh, happened. Well, we go through those four stages of maturity, uh, in the second Adam. Okay. And Paul, or sorry, John in First John, he actually writes them down. He he he's breaking it down. And this is not. Uh, I'm not talking about when I say this. I'm not talking about uh, ranks of believers. It's not. There's a there's a there's a common myth that, or there's a mistake. It's an it's an easy objection to make, especially people who teach the higher Christian life or the abundant life, whatever you want to call it. That they're saying that there is another class of Christians, that they're calling themselves a higher class of Christians. That is not true at all. The overcoming abundant life, the fruitful life, the exchange life is the normal Christian life. Because, because the overwhelming majority of Christians are not walking in it does not make it any less normal. Okay? <laughs> it, it doesn't make it any less normal. Right? So... Um, when we read, uh, let's see, let's see, First John chapter 2, um, and I'm going to start in verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Uh, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. So he's writing unto little children. He's not writing to little children as in small children. He's writing to young believers. I write unto you, uh, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. So he's writing to fathers and he says, and I write on to the young men because you have overcome the wicked one. And I write on to you, little children, because you have known the father. This is a further description of the same thing he's just said, repeating it for emphasis. 
I have written unto you, fathers, because you know him that is from the beginning. And I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So what I want you to see here is there is definitely a development of the spirit inside of these new believers. Some believers, and you know this, they, they walk in their forgiveness. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You're born again. I write unto you, fathers, because you know him who's from the beginning. Remember Job at the end of his whole discourse, after he went through everything that he went through, his final, basically summing it all up himself, he said, I had heard of thee. I had heard of thy ways. Now I know you. Now I know you. I know you experientially. So the fathers are those who've learned through time to walk in the will of the Father God. They commune with the Father God. The Father God communes with them. They're, they're, not dealing, they're not dealing with sin behind closed doors. They're not dealing with these types of things. Their heart's more in heaven than it is on the earth. You leave them alone for five minutes and they're gone. <laughs> they just disappear. You know, um, commercials on television, they don't even see them. If they're watching a show or whatever and a commercial or something of no interest comes in, comes on, they're gone. They're just gone. They spend more of their time, the fathers spend more of their time in inner, inner, inner meditation and just, a, just an inner peace, an inner depth of their relationship with God. Okay? And then he says on here, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong, the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Notice he doesn't say because you read the Bible. He's not talking here about the letter of the word. He's talking about the spirit of the word. For the letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. He's talking about those who the word of God is, is it's abiding in them. It's inside of them. It's leading, directing, and guiding. It becomes, it's changed their worldview. Their worldviews changed. They've been transformed by the renewing of their mind. Okay? And then the fathers, they engage in very little of what you would call normative spiritual activities. Normative spiritual activities. I mean, the fathers can sit down and and read the book of Galatians written in their hearts. <laughs> right? It's like, and it's just, it's incredible. But anyway, so I wanted to keep this on the focus of the purpose of the spirit inside of you and it's to grow and it's to mature in its relationship with God. Okay? Now, it doesn't say, it doesn't talk about in terms of a battle against. In other words, it isn't like that spirit inside of them is going to um, uh, eradicate the old nature. Right? Doesn't eradicate the old nature. The old nature is still there. Anyone who's any, spent any time reading some of the generals and the champions of church history know that they will tell you that they, no matter what, they were always aware of who they really were. They're always aware of it. It's not, but it's no longer the focal point. It's no longer the focal point. It's just an awareness because, and it isn't so much an awareness of who they really are without Christ's grace, but it's Christ's grace that makes them aware of how supportive and needed they are. The more you experience of his grace, the more you experience of his overcoming life, the more you experience of his victory, 
the more you will understand and grow in understanding of what the victory is over. You see it in contrast. So it's almost like it's almost like a, a light at one end of a big of a huge room and you have light at one end of the room and, and just at one end of the room and the more that room the more that light increases, the more you turn it up and up and up and up, the more you see that's in the room. Now understanding that the light is still keeping that darkness back, but the darkness that's there, you start to see it with greater clarity. It doesn't have power, but you start to be aware of it, and that never changes. But back to Galatians, and we were talking about the seed, okay? And the seed in Galatians and the promise that was made onto Abraham. Now, that promise is to Christ. And that's what I want you to see as we continue through Galatians, because that's the problem that the Galatians ran into. They're un- misunder- they didn't understand that. And because they didn't understand that, they were easily... Uh, tripped up into thinking that they would have to pick up an, an addition that was made, the law which was added 400 years after the promise was made. Listen, he says here, and I'm going to read it again. And, and this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before God, of, uh, God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, So back to what I was saying at the beginning of the last podcast, where I was saying that a lot of people have this process that, you know, that God uh, gives a promise to Abraham. And then that promise is his, he'll have descendants. And those descendants are therefore progressed into the law. You have Isaac and then Jacob, the 12 tribes. Then they have the law. The law was given through Moses. Moses was from the tribe of Levi. He was a priest, so his mother and father were both from the tribe of Levi. Therefore, Moses could minister as a priest to the nation because God is setting up an earthly priesthood, an earthly law, an earthly tabernacle, an earthly civilization, an earthly nation, an earthly people. Okay? And those were a people, the sand of the sea. They have a specific problem. Uh, Abraham, I will give you descendants like the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. Now, the first group that comes is the sand of the sea. But the promise was made onto the stars of the sky. And by that, I mean the promise was always to be received by faith. Okay? So, faith came first, and then the law. Then the law was taken out of the way, and faith was reintroduced and continued. Faith was always there, but it was not always understood. The people in the Old Testament under the law who were saved, who were born again, those are the people who saw past the law and by revelation, because they were elected before the foundations of the world, they saw the faith that was to be received and the grace that was to come. They saw past the law. I want you to see that. I want you to see that. I want you to see it. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. If you had if you had something like a like a like a like a screen, and and, and that screen, uh, or let's say you have an image, there's an image or a, a, a someone standing there, and then you put a veil across in front of it, 
you can focus all of your attention on the veil. And that's what the Bible says. The veil was Moses. The veil was the law. The faith was always there, but there was a veil that was put in front of the Jewish people's eyes. And they couldn't see the faith that was behind the veil. Now, God gave a very few people the insight into it. Samuel, David, we can go down the line. There was a lot of them. Uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel um, Ezekiel, Isaiah. So there's a lot of people, <clears throat> and those are the ones we know because they have prophetic names, but there's a lot of other ones. We see Simeon. <laughs> Jesus is eight days old, and Simeon takes him and blesses him and says he's going to bless the nations. He says, he says, oh God, now I can go to my rest for I've seen thy salvation. For God had promised him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's salvation. <clears throat> so he saw past the veil. He saw the past the veil. Anna, in the, she was a widow in the, and she lived in the temple. She saw past the veil. David saw past the veil. He said, you know, when he sinned with Bathsheba and, and uh, you know, sent uh, Bathsheba's husband to her death, to his death, he said, you know, he said, sacrifice and offerings thou shall not want, does not want. But according to thy loving kindness, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, and I'll be as white as snow. Cast not me out of thy presence, O God, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. See, David saw past the law, and he was saved. There was no salvation. There was no forgiveness under the law. The two sins that David committed, which were adultery and murder, there was you were to be stoned. There was no. There was no. The three. There was no. There was no uh, forgiveness for that sin. Okay. There was no sacrifice that you you could take. If you if you murdered somebody in the Old Testament, you would be put to death. If you committed adultery in the Old Testament, you were put to death. There was no, there was no forgiveness for those. But David did both and was forgiven. There were serious consequences, <laughs> very serious consequences for him. He lost the throne, but he, but he was forgiven. Because there's this veil. And I'm telling you, the church today has this veil in front of their eyes. The veil is religion. The veil is religion. There's only one person that can take that veil away, and that's Christ. That veil is removed in Christ. And once the veil is removed, you will enter into the overcoming life. Because you will see that what the veil represents is every single thing that you could like I want to every single thing that you could bring up, everything that you could add include, you know, all of the laws and all of the directions and all of the religiosity that you can ever come up with. That's going to all be projected on that veil. And it will keep you from seeing the true victory that's available in Christ when that veil's removed. Because when the veil's removed, you know who's there? The Lord Jesus Christ and his triumphant victory. And you will realize that all of the things that you had been projecting onto that veil of religion are worthless. They're worthless. They have no power, they have no life. Their ordinances. And that's what he says here. And this I say, this is Galatians 3.17. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the, before, the, law, <clears throat> the law which was 430 years after cannot disannul 
that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Now, you say, well, why did God give the law? See, we've talked about that before. You couldn't see the you couldn't see Christ, you couldn't see the Savior until you saw your own reflection, until you saw your own condition. Until you saw your own con- condition. And so on this veil, God writes the law. God gives the law to just the nation of Israel, and they read that law and they try to achieve it. And do you know what they end up becoming? Hopeless failures at it. Hopeless failures at it. And that's what it says here. Wherefore, uh, in verse 19, Wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Okay. That's vital. So the promise is there and the promise is Jesus. God gives the promise to Abraham that the descendants of faith are going to be like the sand of the, of the stars of the sky. But he also tells them you're going to have descendants like the sand of the sea. And the descendants of the sand of the sea are given this veil. They're given this temporary situation. They're given a, for a short period of time, God gives them this temporal earthly commandment and directive and a way that they should live. And it activates sin in their lives. It actually makes them more sinful because the second they try to keep what is written on that veil, two things immediately happen. First of all, there's that violent reaction from the law of sin and death that we've talked about. And secondly, it manifests the the rebellious nature inside of them that they inherited from Abraham. Okay. So now the more they try to keep this law, the more they try to keep this law, the, the more evil grows and develops inside of them. And that's a condition you find Paul speaking about in Romans chapter 7. That which I desire, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I do. And he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, blessed be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the, when that happens, that's when that veil falls, that curtain falls, and you realize that you could never have done it, you could never have keep it, kept it, and here's the biggest problem, you never had to, because God had promised the overcoming life to Abraham's descendants as the stars of the sky, and they were to receive it by faith, and the entire principle of the sins of the nation of Israel and the sins of mankind. That's what it says. Jesus has been made unto us a propitiation for our sins and not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid the entire penalty for the entire human condition in Adam from beginning to end. He paid the entire principle of that debt. And it's unfortunate that a large portion of the church lives looking at that veil. They don't see what he has done. They don't see the overcoming life 
because that veil is still intact, just as Paul says it's intact when the, when the Jews, in the Jews today. That's, you wonder why the Jewish people today? I mean, after everything, 2,000 years of the age of grace. 2,000 years of the age of grace. How many, how many Jews have actually accepted Jesus as their Messiah? Very, very few. Because their eyes see the veil. They can't see him. Their eyes see the veil. They don't even see an image behind the veil. Their eyes just see that veil and have no idea because they're, they are the earthly descendants of Abraham. The spiritual descendants of Abraham are those who receive the abundance of grace and the free grace of the free gift of righteousness. A people who were no people. A nation out of all the nations of the earth that are brought in. And these Galatian Christians were tempted to go back to the law. They were going to, these Judaizers, they were coming along, they were coming along behind Paul and they were saying, yep, you know, you're, you're claiming whatever this is Jesus. They saw easy pickings and they just grabbed the bottom. They just reached down on one on each side and they pulled the veil back up and they were trying to put it up there and they were saying, okay, yeah. So the only way that you can ever have any relationship with the, the God of all creation, Jehovah in the heaven, is the way that we have been doing it all this time. You got to keep the law. You got to be circumcised. These are grown-up men. They were going to be circumcised and and um, come under the Jewish law. And he says here, and that's why Paul says, "Are you so foolish, having begun?" This is uh, Galatians three three. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit? Ye are now made perfect by the flesh. I said early on in a podcast, we're going to get to that word perfect, and we will. Uh, having Have ye suffered so many things in vain, uh, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministereth unto you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith, even as Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, not law, through faith, preached beforehand the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many who are under the works of the law are under the curse. We've talked about what the curse is. The curse is the law of sin and death. So God is saying here that in Abraham, when God the Father spoke a covenant unto Abraham, and he said, Unto thee shall all the nations be blessed, and he made a covenant with him, and unto thy seed. That was you. You were the, you were, we are the spiritual lineage of Abraham. And you say, how could we become the spiritual lineage of Abraham? Well, here's the bouncing ball. Abraham has 12 tribes, or Abraham has a son, his name is Isaac. Isaac has a son, his name is Jacob. Jacob has 13 sons, but 12 of them, one of them was Joseph, 12 of them become the 12 nations. Out of the one of those nations on the eastern side, when they set up in the wilderness, was Judah. They faced the tabernacle. Judah, they followed the line of Judah down, and you're going to have a descendant born of natural descent, 
and walking this earth, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> okay? So Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. That's why he's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So now we're still following the lineage along. Jesus, therefore, takes our substitutionary place on the cross. Our sins are all laid upon him. He dies for those sins, having made a perfect atonement, perfect remission, perfect sacrifice, the lamb without spot nor wrinkle. Having fulfilled the law, overcame the law of sin and death, defeated the demonic realm in open, over open combat and never obeyed the natural will that he had, that he inherited from Mary and walked in perfect obedience unto God, dies, goes to hell and p- takes our penalty for it. Okay? He's raised from the dead and now, through the supernatural rebirth based upon the will of God, those chosen before the foundations of the world whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. At that moment, you're born again. You are a spiritual being. You are now a star of the sky. Okay? So when God made that promise all the way back to Abraham, indeed shall all the nations be blessed, you were there. And your lineage, earthly lineage, can never make it back to that point. Your spiritual lineage goes through Jesus, goes into Judah, goes back to Jacob, goes to Isaac, goes to Abraham. You were in Abra- he was in Abraham's seed when that he's the seed that was in Abraham's loins when that promise was made. And the new covenant is a covenant of spirituality that's made between the Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's unbreakable. This covenant, the old covenant that came 430 years after the promise was made to Abraham and was finished 500 years before Jesus was born was a temporary covenant. It wasn't in place when the promise was made, and it wasn't in place when Jesus was born. And you've been raised from the dead in Christ Jesus. You who were dead in trespass and sins, has he quickened, made alive again. And here you are now. And that that spiritual, that new birth inside of you, that new creation inside of you, that newborn spirit that's inside of you, came from heaven (laughs) and you are a child of God born again in the new covenant because you're in Christ Christ is in you and you are in him he's the new the new covenant is made between him and the father therefore God the father is your father God the father is your God I want to thank you for joining me today on his light and life we have a lot more to say about this um, and we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? Please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.